Welcome to the YouTube Creators Hub podcast, where we help you conquer the internet one video at a time. We cover everything from how to start a YouTube channel to how to make a video go viral. And now, here's your host, the one and only Dusty Porter. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the YouTube Creators Hub podcast. My name, Dusty Porter. I am a YouTube certified, I guess you'd call me, I don't, I don't, I don't like using the word expert, so we'll just say individual who loves getting on here every single Wednesday and interviewing a great creator just like yourself and talking with them about their YouTube channel. And this week is no different. Um, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, you will know that we are trying to reach 100 reviews or 100 ratings over on iTunes. We are up to 84. What I do is every week I will give you a shout out if you give me a review, whether it's positive or negative. We got three coming in this week. The first one coming in from Jay Garf. He says he is from his YouTube channel at The Ready Tactics. He's over on Instagram, Ready. He says, I've been listening to this podcast for a long time. Just started out a YouTube channel focused on lifestyle of living at The Ready. He has some big plans for 2018 and he really appreciates the podcast. Next one coming in from Rachel Waldorf. Such an amazing podcast. It's taught me so much and I always walk away having learned something new. I have a small channel based on how to live in Seattle, Washington, but I'm trying to branch out. Rachel Waldorf, W-A-L-D-O-R-F. Definitely go check her out. And the last one coming in from J.M.T. Roberts. Uh, actually gave me a little criticism here, a little constructive criticism. Uh, he says he loves the show, but says the only criticism is during the interviews that Dusty often turns the answers from the guest to his own work. I will definitely work on that. Thank you so much for giving me that rating and review. I really do appreciate it. Going over to iTunes, let me know what you think of the show where each and every week I try to make your YouTube life, your YouTube journey that much easier. And speaking of making your YouTube journey that much easier, go and take a look at our sponsor today, TubeBuddy, T-U-B-E-B-U-D-D-Y. They're always striving to do more things, better things for the YouTube creator community, and that is the target audience of this show. Click the link in the show notes, download the free browser plugin, and if you like it, you can upgrade. Use our link for a special promo discount on the paid version of the plugin, and I promise you will not regret it. Again, that's TubeBuddy. I also do another podcast called TubeBuddy Express over on the TubeBuddy feed. I also do a monthly live stream over there where I answer your questions, so make sure you're subscribed to the TubeBuddy YouTube channel. Now, this week, I am joined joined by a teacher um, and uh, a teacher from New York and uh, his name is Tim. He has a YouTube channel called Mr. Betts Classroom, and you'll hear all of that in the opening. But this is the first EDU uh, creator I've had on the show, uh, and it was a wonderful interview, and I, I learned a ton myself, and I think you will too. So guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you so much for making this show what it is. Thank you so much for allowing me to do this for 95 episodes. We are five away from the 100 mark. I'm so proud of that. I'm so proud of my consistency, uh, and it's because of you that I'm going to keep on doing this in the new year and only going to get bigger and better. So without any further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's conversation. I am so excited today to be joined by Tim Betts. Tim is the creator and host of Mr. Betts Class on YouTube. It's a certified EDU channel that seeks to entertain, educate, and engages students in history. Best known for its historical parody songs and funny videos, Mr. Betts Class has provided an alternative for students who struggle to learn traditionally and as a means for teachers to get their classes excited about history. Tim, how are you doing today, sir? 
I am doing great. How are you doing, Dusty? I am doing absolutely fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for reaching out to me. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to have you on the show. Now, I've never had someone with a EDU channel on my podcast, so maybe explain to the audience a little bit uh, in this brief synopsis a little bit more about you and what your channel, Mr. Betts Class, is all about. Sure. Uh, well, my name is Tim Betts. I run Mr. Betts Class, and we focus on primarily history videos, primarily American history videos. And uh, I'm an actual full-time teacher. I've been for years, and I was always seeking ways to engage my students more. And also, students nowadays, they live their life on the Internet. They live their life in Internet videos. Um, I believe a study this summer came out that, that said, like, the number one job students now inspire to be is a vlogger. Um, so with that said, I thought there was a little bit of a hole when I first started, um, a little bit of a deficit before really engaging history videos. So I figured the best way to fill that hole is just to do it myself. So for the past coming up on five years at the end of this month, I've been making, um, history videos that I myself as a student that would be their age would actually want to watch. I love it. And so the name of the channel, again, is Mr. Betts Class, which, again, awesome. Your last name is, is Betts, Mr. Betts Class. So it's kind of like an online classroom, but you're trying to spice it up a little bit with music videos, with comedy. Um, so maybe speak on a little bit about your history with video production. Um, we obviously know you're a teacher, but like, what experience did you have with video editing, production, and basically just the, the ins and outs of, of the workings of YouTube? When, when I started Mr. Best class, I had zero experience whatsoever. Um, I don't. I barely even had a working camera. I had a really cheap point and shoot. Um, but what really got me going is I remember the first time I saw John Green's uh, Crash Course World History, and I said, I, "Well, I can't do that caliber, but I can do something like that." And let me just give it a try. And it's just like oh, every other creator on YouTube. You try it, and the first couple are really cringy, and then they're a little less cringy, and you teach yourself new little facets, and then you start accumulating gear, you start accumulating technique, eventually you start finding a niche, and then you hit your stride. Um, but that's really like how I got into it at first. I just said, let me try this. And you gotta be, you gotta be willing to try, you gotta be willing to fail, you gotta be willing to make mistakes, because that's the only way that you're gonna get better. It's the same thing that I tell my kids. Absolutely. Now, what do your kids that have you in your actual classroom, what do they think about your YouTube channel like? Are they discovering it organically? Are you telling them about it? Are you using it as a resource? Like, how are you combining the two as far as your virtual classroom and then your actual physical classroom? Okay, well, first, I got to just lay it out there. According to my kids, the story I tell them, it's not me. I have four twin brothers and two twin sisters. We're all identical, and they do that silliness. I don't do any of it. Um, but they, they find it pretty quickly anyway, because they're pretty media savvy and like, it's always good at the beginning of the year. It gets me like a cheap little pop. It's like, Ooh, my teacher's a YouTube star. And, like my brothers watched you in their school. Um, but it's actually really cool. Cause I get to use it in my class and there it's, it's like, uh, when I get to use my videos, it's almost like having my own little focus group. Um, but being a teacher that actually is planning on using some of the videos as well, it really makes me think about like how they're going to be utilized in the classroom. And it's really helped me change and adapt my formats over the years to make them um, more educational, 
uh, and to make them uh, more accessible and uh, so that they can actually be used by people that are studying topics and not just trying to reinforce them. Uh, my, my videos originally uh, were more about like reinforcing information and I'm, I'm trying to make sure that my videos now are a little bit more informative to people that are learning for the first time but are still keeping that enthusiasm and still keeping that like Mr. Best Class style. And let me ask you this, have you been contacted by other teachers or professors or instructors to utilize your content? I know I do tutorial-based content all the time, and I have professors emailing me, contacting me on a monthly basis saying, hey, Dusty, I like your instruction on this specific topic or piece of software. Do you mind if I use it in my classroom or in my lecture? Do you have other instructors out there, teachers out there, contacting you to utilize your channel as a resource? Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, that's the whole purpose of the channel. The channel is made um, so that teachers and students have these free, engaging, hopefully high-quality um, videos to use in their instruction. And really, that's that's what makes my day. When I get like a tweet or an Instagram post or an email saying, you know, my kids love your videos. Like I hear them singing the songs in the hallways, or I have a kid that would do nothing, would just sit there every single period and we started playing your videos and at first like they were trying to fight smiles and they were like oh this is so lame but they started tapping their foot along and i've seen their grades steadily improve and really that's that's the real reason to do it absolutely now let's transition a little bit to the monetization side of things how has youtube helped you as a business i know my wife is a teacher she teaches third grade at a local elementary school here in north georgia and uh I, so so being a, a spouse of a teacher i kind of get a a rear a kind of a side view as what it what it's like to be a teacher and unfortunately in today's time you know teachers aren't getting a lot of support they're one of the most important i think uh, occupations out there in the world and they really get get very little support and definitely financially it's definitely not a high paying job and so let me ask you this have have you been able to use youtube to supplement your income and are you monetizing your content in any way to help you kind of bring in a side source of income yes uh definitely um i mean right off the bat i have to say i've taught at a bunch of different schools luckily the school that i'm at now I love my school, and they they take they take very good care of me. Um, but yeah, I've been able to monetize, you know, through your regular Google AdSense. Um, what's really helped out is a Patreon, um, and I find that teachers are really giving towards that. You know, teachers that are constantly using my videos to help um, their students. You know, they're they're willing to say, "Hey, you did a good job, and I'm really glad that you give this away for free, and I want to make sure that you can keep on doing this." So here's a couple of bucks a month. And um, just finding different revenue streams. I've actually a little more and more. Um, I've been uh, putting ads or placements into the actual videos. I always try to keep them at the end of the videos, so that way, you know, if they're being used in regular classes, I'm not going to interrupt what I'm doing just to try to sell somebody something. Um, but basically, all of all the sponsorships or all the affiliates that I'm working with right now, they're all um, products or services that either students or teachers will want to use. And I can tell that because I'm a teacher and I deal with students. So I always got to make sure whatever I'm working with is a really good fit for my channel or else I feel like it would just be taking advantage of my audience and it's not something that I want to do. It would really hurt the brand if that's the kind of channel my channel turned into. 
Absolutely. And so are you just using the, the native AdSense program uh, as well as, you know, being partnered with affiliates that kind of allow you to make money for referring their products? Like, give me an example as an educator, like for a sponsor that you've worked with in the past or some ways that you're making money to supplement your income. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so sponsor, uh, uh, deals that I've worked with in the past, um, one, one that I worked with for an earlier video was Quizlet. And Quizlet was it's really great. They contacted me. Um, and they're starting a new platform that um, helps AP U.S. history students and I believe AP government students um, study for their test. They're a bunch of teacher-made practice questions um, to really help them emulate what they're going to see. Um, so they approached me about it, and I checked out their website, and I said, okay, this is something that my students will actually get value from because I actually base the design and the schedule of my uploads around this kind of curriculum, around the AP curriculum. I actually time it to go along with the AP schedule. So I said, yes, this is something that we can definitely do. So they had like a little bit of a bumper at the beginning, but all of the ad went to the back, and that was an affiliate type ad. But really, honestly, I'm still a smaller YouTube channel. We just met our yearly goal of 40,000 subs. And at that point, I'm still at the point now and the point that like smaller YouTube channels are, most of them are at, where you go out and you approach the different companies. You need to spend time on it, like put two or three hours down on a Saturday or Sunday morning and then just brainstorm what makes sense for my demographics. What do my demographics want and contact companies that are kind of at like a similar level as you, startups. Uh, in the case of like YouTube, it makes sense to partner with tech companies, people that are running apps, new kind of website platforms. Really brainstorm who, who might be interested in your audience and who your audience might be interested in, and then approach them. Uh, you're not gonna get anywhere at the beginning waiting for things to come to you. You have to come to them. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Sometimes, you know, people are hesitant to to reach out to people. They're scared. They think they're too small. They they think their content isn't worth it, which is, you know, it couldn't be farther from the truth. And that's what I encourage my clients to do, my people that I work with through the podcast and even outside the podcast is just, hey, listen, you know, you're more valuable than you think you are. And there's tools out there like Social Blue Book and tools out there that will let you know uh, how much you're worth. So let me ask you this, Tim. What would be something that you wish someone would have told you when you first started out on YouTube? I would say get organized earlier. You need to get organized earlier because audience, audiences, whether they say it in the comments or not, they want some kind of schedule that they can rely on. They want to know on Thursdays, Thursday afternoons, about you know 2 p.m., I can go to YouTube and there's going to be a new Mr. Betts class video. And in order for me to do that, I'm a full-time teacher. My kids are about to turn two years old. My time is very limited. So I wish somebody told me earlier tools and just techniques to make sure that like my production is using its time as efficiently as possible. Because I think back to times before I had a kid or before I was at this particular school and I had more free time and I'm like, why didn't I make more videos then? And it's because I was thinking of time as this like infinite resource. Time is not infinite, it's very finite. You have a very limited amount of time and if you use it wisely, you can get a lot done. But if you don't have a plan, you're gonna squander a lot of it. 
<laughs> now that is some, there really hasn't been very many more truer words spoken on the podcast. It, it you know, it, when you have the time, do it because later on you may not have the time or, or effort. Now, let me ask you this, Tim, you, you, you have a successful career as a teacher and you also do YouTube on the side. Where do you see YouTube as far as like, not necessarily even in the education field, but like in the future, in two years, in three years, where where do you think this platform is going? And if, if, there, if there's someone out there thinking about starting on YouTube or wanting to grow their YouTube channel, like what would be some advice you would give that person to, to help them propel their channel and to get them to where even you are? I mean, people hear 40,000 subscribers and they're like, oh my gosh, that's astronomical. There's no way I'm going to reach that. So what what piece of advice would you give that person? If you're making good content and you believe in what you're doing, believe in compound interest. This time last year, I had 20,000 subscribers. Before that, I had 10. Before I remember six months in, I was celebrating my 100th subscriber. And I was putting out what I thought was really good content. And it's content that, you know, I do better stuff now, but I'm still proud of what I put, uh, put on back then. Know that if you're doing it well and you believe in what you're doing and there's actual value, the audience will come to you. Um, you know, like they say overnight successes are really like overnight successes that were 10 years in the making. It's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of long nights, but it will come there if you're giving your audience something of value. So just stick with it. Yeah, and and again, I say this, it feels like almost every episode, it, it really is about the society and culture that we live in of, of wanting everything now, wanting to uh, to get it, you know, yesterday. And, and as a YouTuber, we have to understand that it may take you years, months to get to a point to where you can actually see a substantial amount of growth. But the problem with most YouTube creators, Tim, is that when I give them opportunities to ask me questions, whether it's on a live stream, you know, with my partner TubeBuddy or a live stream on my YouTube channel, the questions I most commonly get, and I get this question, you'd be very surprised, you know, in, in, in emails and tweets and whatnot, is how do I grow my channel fast? How come my channel isn't growing? How come I only have five subscribers? They're, they're, they're not digging deep enough to the actual problem. There, there isn't any depth to those questions. They're just wanting a get-rich-quick scheme uh, you know, in, in terms of getting a ton of subscribers and views. And yes, there are that very, the very small percentage of YouTubers who are going to go viral and grow a channel within a couple of months. And yes, there are those people out there. But for the most part, it's really about grinding and putting in the time and hustling. And uh, you know, People ask me all the time in my real life, they're like, what do you do? Well, it's really hard for me to tell you. I mean, I do a bunch of things. I'm YouTube educator, I'm a voice actor, I do video editing, and when they hear that I have a YouTube channel, it kind of throws them off for throws them off for a little bit and they're like, "Well, what if I want to do a YouTube channel? Well, that should be easy, right? You're making money on YouTube just uploading videos? Like how simple can that be?" But when they start listening and I start telling them all that I do on a weekly basis, they're like, whoa, wait a minute, that's almost like a job. And I'm like, well, yeah, it kind of is. Uh, and so it really is about putting in the time and grinding and understanding that it is going to be something that takes time and effort to get to where you want to go. So let's talk about tools tools of the trade for a minute. Are there any YouTube tools, uh, uh, software, hardware, uh, internet resource, Tim, that you use on a weekly basis that you just could not live without? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have my my standard equipment that I use. I have I have my T3i. I just picked up a T6i. Yeah, T6i. Thank you, Cyber Monday. Um, so those are my main shooting gear. 
if uh, if I'm doing any kind, of, I usually do parody songs, or at least uh, my m- most well known for my parody songs. Those I always record them beforehand. Um, so I usually find a nice little karaoke track to put under. I'll use a nice blue Yeti mic. Um, and then uh, everything, get, when it gets all shot and I'm mixing everything, I'm using Adobe Suite all throughout. The Creative Cloud Suite, it's uh, between Premiere Pro and um, Audition, Photoshop for my thumbnails. Uh, just getting well-versed in that and just making sure like every week I try to push myself to add like one new element for my repertoire. And, um, and then as far as like my particular content, my particular content, uh, content, I, I do it the same way that I approach when I'm making a standard lesson. I take a look at uh, what I'm actually trying to teach, and then I have a couple of, I usually go through a couple of different textbooks for like the bare minimum that I know that kids will need, and then I do a little bit better research on it. it it's fun. Every week I get to do a mini research project that if you told me when I was in high school that I would, in my spare time, as a hobby, make a history report every single day, I would have said that you were crazy. Um, but I love it. So those are like the tools I use every day. So just kind of to compound on that, like let's talk about just a follow up to that question. So you do a lot of these and I love it. Like I, for me as a learner, like when I learn something, I, I, I want, I, I learn better when it's visual or audio, when I can see and hear something. And you've got these things that you do on your channel, they're music videos, but they're, they're music videos to help people learn history. Uh, and a lot of times history can be boring and dull and it's hard to get young people to be interested in something that's happened in the past because they're worried so much about the present and what's happening to them now. And so with all of that being said, how did these music videos come to be like how i mean what's your kind of history in in your with your musical talent and, and how did this idea of doing these music videos kind of come to be first i gotta correct you on something there's no boring history there's just boring history teachers <laughs> there you go 100 percent agree with that history is nothing but a story and look at all the the movies we watch tv shows books we read we spend billions of dollars a year on stories so history can be made um, just the same. As far as my music background goes, I was in a band when I was when I was a kid, so I liked performing. I was the singer in the band and played poor guitar, just like just hacky guitar. But I, I still had the basics um, going in. Um, then I, I hadn't touched anything in at least a decade. And I remember um, I remember I was in my student teaching, and my the teacher that I was with, who was uh, my mentor said, oh, I saw this thing where this person, they took a song and they made uh, a history-related version of it, and I'm going to try doing that. And I took a look at his lyrics, and I was like, thinking to myself, these are really bad, but I think I could do something like this. So I did my own shot at it, and I did The kids like my back And then for a while, um, years later, I started Mr. Beth's class, and I didn't start doing the first party for quite some time until... Um, I just remembered that I had did something like that before, and just for some reason, the first one, the first one hit big, um, at least for at the time. The first one was, uh, you remember a couple of years ago, the What Does the Fox Say song? Yes, it's, yes. For some reason, my brain just heard it as What Does John Locke Say, the philosopher John Locke. And I said, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be stupid, but like an interesting way to introduce the philosophy of John Locke if I just change those lyrics and sing them in the same silly voices, but make them all about the philosophies of John Locke, let's give it a shot. 
and I did it and I put it out there. And that was the first time like I had everything, anything that I've ever felt was like, ooh, this is kind of going viral. Like it was the first time I've ever had a video that off the bat got a thousand views in a day. Like I was still at that point, like proud if within, you know, two weeks I got that magic 301. Do you remember the 301 where it would get stuck? Yep, that where it track? locked at 301. That was a great accomplishment. For the longest time, my videos never got locked because between 301 and 302, there was too long amount of time. <laughs> like there was no need to lock it. You had plenty of time to check. But um, that first parody, it, it hit and people like really responded to it. And I'm like, okay, this is something that I enjoy. So this is something that they, that my audience enjoys. So I'm like, let me try doing some more of these. So yeah, uh, that wound up being my like specialty. And now I'm trying to branch off uh, and include those in my repertoire, but they are so intensive between writing and recording and shooting and editing and getting everything just right. I'm trying to bring in other kind of uh, funny formats in, and some of them are working really well and some of them I still need some polishing. But again, you gotta, you gotta keep experimenting. You have to keep on um, adding new kind of uh, 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 approaches or else you're gonna get tired of it and your audience is eventually gonna get tired of it as well. I, I just I think it's so unique, and uh, one thing I do when I bring on a guest is I, I search for their channel name in, in YouTube search and kind of see what comes up. And one of the first ones that I watched was the one that you did, a Roanoke, uh, Frozen's Let It Go parody. And uh, the quality of those videos are fantastic. I could only imagine just how work-intensive they are, getting the audio and the, the vocals and the lips all synced up together and getting the, the captions at the bottom of the video and shooting different locations and, and whatnot and using green screens and everything like that. So I'm sure it's very work-intensive. And I just I love that. I love that you're you know realizing that, yes, these are very hard to make and, and they're very fun, but you're trying to kind of supplement them with other uh, kind of parts of comedy, and, and I love that. So, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to uh, YouTube, what would you say are your strengths and weaknesses on YouTube? Like, what are you really good at that you just excel at, but then what are the things that you just wish you could outsource to someone else? Okay, uh, the things that I feel that I'm really good at is, um, I think I'm really good at, at um, kind of coming up with original ideas uh, for how to do my format. Um, I, people will always tell me like, you should do this, uh, this topic to this song. And it's like a very literal link. And I'm like, ah, that's low hanging fruit. Let's just come like out of left field. And it just kind of works out like, uh, the old song, Khaleesi's milkshake, like my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. What if we made that about the Articles of Confederation? They have nothing to do with each other, but it completely worked. And it's so crazy. Um, Something that I wish that I could outsource. I think I'm good at editing, but oh my, oh my. Um, editing takes just so long, um, par partially because I have to do so many takes because since my turnaround is so quick, I upload weekly. Um, half the time, I barely know the lyrics to the song that I'm lip, lip syncing when I'm, when I'm shooting. So I have to do it numerous times and figure out the takes that I can actually use. Um, so that's just like, Super compounds editing. Um, so a lot of coffee, late at night, but you get it done. You push through. And part, part of the process is also like it's all in these like little steps. So I know I just got to get to the end of this and I got to get to the end of that. And it just keeps you going. It's bite sized. If you think of it as the video, it doesn't get done. It's too big. It's insurmountable. But if you think of it as the shooting, the editing, the thumbnail and uploading, it's like, okay, I can, I can do that. 
Yeah, and you know, that's something, Tim, that as I've gotten older and I've had a kid of my own, I've been able to do that, whereas when I was younger, I really couldn't do that, where I'm able now to kind of break projects into bite-sized chunks, whereas when I was younger, I would get overwhelmed and it would just never get done. Um, And as a YouTuber, when you look at the process of scripting, of getting the branding correct for your channel, of actually recording the video, then editing the video, then publishing the video, then going and promoting the video, there's so much involved, a lot of times it can get overwhelming as a creator, and if you can break it down down into those bite-sized chunks, you then can see things starting to happen and your channel can start to move forward. Now, the the final question I want to ask you is this, um, is I want to ask you, what is next for your channel? Where do you see it going? And you've reached that 40K sub, you've already surpassed 41,000 subs now. I mean, not really numerically as far as valuing your channel, as far as subscribers and video views. Where do you want to see your channel going in the future? I know right off the bat, my real goal, what I have in mind, I actually have a tracker that tracks this. This is part of my motivating factor is that silver play button. I want my 100K. (laughs) That's like an actual number. That's like, that's the number that I've been looking at for a long time now. But what I really want to do is I really want to make Mr. Betts class like a competitive um, uh, chunk of the money that I bring in. And I know the best way for me to do that now and uh, what I'm uh, uh, now you know, trying to formulate how I enter it is there's different services like teachers pay teachers that um, uh, basically you can make lessons or handouts or, or different kind of materials for lessons. And I think what I want to do is I want to be able to take the audience and take the name and take the brand that I've established and use that in order to bring in that new element. Because that new element, there's like a a very lucrative um, uh, field over there, but it's also the double-edged sword of, I've established myself so much in what I do now that I have to make sure that when I enter that new field, I enter it looking like I know what I'm doing. I can't enter it like halfway through, I can't dip a toe. I need to have pop, like when you reach a certain level, you know that you, like your reputation is riding on the products that you put out. So yeah, that's that's where I'm going next with. This. You know, funny story, Tim. This is hilarious that you brought it up. Um, one of the things I pride myself on is I, I love being an entrepreneur. I love finding ways to monetize and to bring value to other people uh, as well as helping myself kind of, not necessarily financially, but to help, helping myself grow. Where to, Well, to make a long story short, my wife is a teacher, as I mentioned earlier, and she utilizes that site, Teachers Pay Teachers, and I would see oh, yeah. I, I would see that come through on my PayPal account, on my credit card account, and I'd be like, what is this? And she'd be spending, you know, maybe a couple hundred bucks every school year, whatever, and I made it a goal of mine because I am a graphic designer and I've worked in, uh, you know, d- done different creative outlets throughout my career and whatnot. I said, you know what? My goal is to make about 20 or 25 assets and put them on teachers paid teachers. And I want to see if I can make enough to cover your bill on teachers paid teachers. And funnily enough, Tim, I sell some very simple stuff like progress reports. I, I, I've, I've any type of simple resource like that on teachers paid teachers. And I make a couple hundred dollars a month on that website. And that's the thing that, uh, that people don't realize is that y- you can find ways, alternate ways to supplement your income. Because let's be honest, Tim, YouTube is a platform and it can be gone tomorrow. Um, and we have to create our own brand, our own uh, platform and our own way to kind of stand on our, our, two, our own two feet. So I love that. I love that story. Tim, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Thank you so much for 
reaching out to me. Guys, go check him out, MrBetsClass.com. You can check him out on YouTube, MrBets, B-E-T-T-S, class. I will link all of his socials. Is there any final words you want to say, Tim, before we uh, jump off? Hey, just uh, make sure that you're always learning. If you're not learning, then what's the point? I agree 100%. Definitely go check out what Tim's got going on. It is amazing. Tim, thank you for making this community better. Thank you for making YouTube better. And thank you for educating our youth, as I know what kind of a thoughtless job that sometimes can be. And until next time, talk to you later, Tim. Uh, Have a good one. You've been listening to the YouTube Creators Podcast. We want to thank you and invite you to subscribe to the show, as well as support us on Patreon for great perks, such as having your YouTube channel featured on the show and a link on our website. Until next time, keep uploading those videos.